Well, th- this morning, what we're going to do is um, we're going to have a look at a, a passage from the Bible simply because the Bible tells us uh, what God uh, is like. And so in turn, that allows us to uh, make sense of life. And we're actually going to be uh, focusing on another family. We've been talking a lot about family this morning, but th- this morning, we're going to have a look at the family of God. Now, if I asked you to describe what it is that you've uh, come into this morning, I wonder how you would respond. Uh, perhaps you might talk about the building and kind of come into a church building. Uh, maybe you might think, oh, I'll come into a sort of community of people or uh, some kind of charity or whatever. The main description of this in the Bible is actually that of family. Now, in the vows, we had to use community because it was getting a bit confusing if we called this family because then we had families on stage being supported by families who'd come along and then families that made vows. And quite who the families are with the families supporting the family got very, very confusing. So we use community. But in the Bible, it's all about family. That's the, that's the main description. It's the ever-expanding family of God where you are welcome. And that's why we've called this message this morning, You Are Welcome, because you actually are. This morning, God extends his hand to you to be part of things here, to come along, join in the fun, to be at any of the events we do, because in the family of God, you are welcome. So we're going to have a look at this, uh, this bit in the Bible. It's um, from a, a book that's called Romans. Uh, written by a guy called Paul, who's like a leader uh, in the early church, uh, traveled the world, uh, starting churches and telling people about Jesus. And he write, he's writing a letter uh, to the church in Rome, and so the book is, is called Romans. And we've got to the end of the letter, and basically what he's wanting to do is to uh, send some greetings, to say hi to a few people. Now, just to kind of bring you into the picture, this letter was probably written about uh, in the mid-50s AD, and it was written in ancient Greek, which what that's going to mean is that you have the dubious privilege of seeing me struggle through the pronunciation of some, uh, well, different names not familiar to our culture. Now, I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar. I've done a, a little bit of it, but uh, between me, you, and the recording, if you tend to speak confidently enough and fast enough, people tend to think that that's how you pronounce it. So, see how we get on. This is Romans 16, and uh, we're reading from verse 1. The words will come up on the screen. Here we go. Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancrie, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles." And they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who's approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who's worked hard in the Lord. 
Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the, the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet to you. Well, I said that the Bible helped to make sense of life. And uh, I suppose unless you're looking for baby names, it doesn't immediately jump out um, that that kind of gives us lots of sort of things to, uh, to live with. But let me put you in the picture of what's going on here. This is the end of the letter, but what, what's gone before? Well, Paul, this leader in the early church, has been telling the church in Rome the best news that they could ever hear. He starts by saying that there are all sorts of hints of God in the world around us, in the beauty and the uniqueness of creation, and the fact that it takes more faith to believe that nobody created everything out of nothing than somebody created everything out of nothing. And, and he moves on to talk about our morality, and he says that whether you describe yourself as a, a particularly religious person and there's some external set of rules that you live by, or whether your morality is internal and you just kind of operate with a sort of a sense of, well, I just know what's right. Actually, what Paul says is all of us have actually fallen short of God's standard of perfection. And Jesus said that um, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul and all of our strength and our neighbor as ourselves. I know I haven't lived like that. And that would be a problem except for the fact that it, through his death on the cross, Jesus has taken the just punishment for my little bit of why the world's in the mess that it is upon himself. My stained account has been swapped for his perfect record through his death on the cross. I have a right standing before God. And what that means is that if we put our trust in Jesus, then we no longer have to live life trying to please God, trying to do lots of things to gain his approval, because Jesus has already pleased him on our behalf. It means that we have peace with God. It means that our slates are wiped clean, that we have a new start. It means that we join the family of God with him as our perfect heavenly father from whom every good gift comes. And it means that we live differently because of it. And in my experience of, of becoming a Christian was that I, I came into a church community and, and there was something about the people there that, that just seemed to be different. Like, I can't quite get what it is. There's something different about the way they are. Maybe even we believe some of the same things, but I, I can't quite get it. And what happened was I began to talk to them and they explained to me about how Jesus had died on the cross, that I could be forgiven from everything I'd done wrong. I began to examine the historical evidence for, the, for his resurrection from the dead, which I found utterly compelling. I gave my life to him, it totally transformed me. And I lived differently as a result. And that's what's going on here. Paul's greeting a whole load of people who've had their lives transformed by Jesus and they're living differently as a result because they are now part of the worldwide church family. So what do we notice from, from this passage then? Well, the first thing is that there are all sorts of people, as you saw when we went through. There's 27 specific names here 
and, and many more people referred to, each one of whom has found their place in the family of God. There's men and there's women, there's older, there's younger, there's friends and in turn their families. There's people who were slaves in the Roman world and people who were free. There's people from religious families. There's people who never would have considered God and yet had had their lives changed by Jesus. People from different ethnicities and cultures and birthplaces. There's some great names here, aren't there? I mean, my personal favorite, Philologus or Lol to his mates. You know, I like that one. Narcissus, probably a little bit vain. Let that one linger. But Paul starts with Phoebe. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not know an awful lot of people called Phoebe. I know one student used to be part of the church here. I know a lovely little girl called Phoebe, but other than that, I'm out. Anyone here know more than two people called Phoebe? Friend. Have you seen my notes? (laughs) It makes me think of Phoebe from Friends. Phoebe Buffet. I can't help but think about that. And so when Paul says that you're to welcome her in whatever she needs... All I can think of is this mad woman dashing around with all sorts of crazy but fun anecdotes, and you're meant to help her. Thankfully, he's not referring to Phoebe Buffet. You know, Phoebe, she was a servant of the church, actually in some kind of official capacity. Paul says that she was a benefactor, or your translation might have patron. And she was a wealthy and prominent Jewish woman who'd come to know Jesus. And for all her money, and for all her influence in society, she had found her truest home in the family of God, where she was accepted, where she could use her gifts, where she had a role. And she's clearly entrusted with significant responsibility here. And yet she's covered by her church family, who sought to ensure her safety. He then moves on. It says in verse 2, Greek Prisca and Aquila. Elsewhere, they're referred to Priscilla and Aquila. And um, they were a Jewish married couple. And the the thing that that jumps out to me about those two is they must have been a nightmare to meet. Because I don't know if you've ever had this experience of where you meet two people, both of whom's names could be either masculine or feminine. Leslie and Charlie, nice to meet you. Leslie, Charlie, Leslie, Charlie. Charlie, nice. Oh, I've got it wrong again. Priscilla and Aquila, how are we meant to know? Paul keeps switching them around just to keep it interesting. I've had to write in my notes, Priscilla is the woman, Aquila is the man. How are we meant to know? But he says they were co-workers. He says they risked their lives for him. And their story is that they were from a place called Pontus, which is in modern-day Turkey. They were tent makers, just like Paul. And since they had come to know Jesus... It had led to this whole adventure of traveling around the world with Paul, mentoring younger Christians, sharing with people how Jesus changes lives. They even hosted a church in their house. They had found purpose and connection in the family of God that usurped all else. It gave them a new life. It gave them a mission. It it turned the ordinary into extraordinary. Look at what he says at them in verse 4. Not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks. That's a lot of people because of the role that they had found, because they'd found their truest home 
in Jesus and his people, the family of God. And then after that, we get a whole load of people that, frankly, we have no idea who they are. And that in itself is significant. In a society that so prizes and values fame, and recognition, and Instagram followers, and here the, yet here these people are. We have no idea who they are, yet they are finding their home in the family of God. They're active, they're valued, they're connected, they're living for something beyond themselves. And maybe you can identify with some of those people I've talked about. Well, today, Jesus would say to you that in the family of God, you are welcome. There's a place for you. There's a role for you. There's a seat left at the table for you. There's, there's this image of, in the Bible of, of a great big tent stretching out for all who want to come and take shelter under its canopy. That's a welcome with a difference. That is a radical welcome. And that's why we've called this series that we're going to be looking at over summer, Radical Welcome looking at God's welcome of all sorts of different types of people into his family as we do that as his church. And we can't cover everybody, and we've only got one summer, but here's some of the things we're going to be looking at. A couple of weeks' time, we kicked off by talking about welcoming the nations, didn't we? You heard that in, in the announcements. That's going to be so much fun. And then in the next generation, welcoming our city, welcoming one another, looking at biblical community, Welcoming in our homes, looking at hospitality, welcoming the vulnerable, welcoming children in care. And for that last one, we've got a member of the Nottingham City Prayer Fostering Team who's going to come and share with us about some of the work that is going on there. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. All sorts of people. The second thing that we see in this passage is that these people are family together. And I suppose that's no surprise, given uh, everything we've been saying. But just look how close this community is in how he describes them. Sisters, brothers, like a mother to me, fellow workers, beloved, or some translations, dear friends, kinsmen, approved, chosen. It sounds close-knit, doesn't it? It sounds appealing. It sounds like the very thing that the world longs for. Relationship community, purpose. Do you know a recent BBC survey that was done found that one in three adults identify as often or very often feeling lonely? The same survey found that half of over 65s consider their main um, uh, source of connection to be the TV or their pet. But what was fascinating, I thought, about that survey was that as they broke all the different generations down, it was actually the younger generations that identified most with the sense of loneliness. More connected than ever before, and yet more lonely than ever before. Twitter followers and Facebook friends, yet no one to call. And a whole bunch of physical and mental health challenges that follow. You see, our society longs for relational connection, and here it is. Sisters, brothers, like a mother, fellow workers, dear friends. It's the family of God where you are welcome. You might say, oh, well, 
I'm all right, thanks, JP. Loneliness isn't my thing. I've got plenty of uh, communities that I find my uh, connections in. And um, I, too, belong to all sorts of uh, different communities. Uh, I am a member of the uh, Stoke City F Football Club supporters, where uh, we get together and uh, mourn the state of our team and encourage one another that next season will be better. We seem to do that every year. Um, I'm uh, a member of the, uh, we live in Warren Hill, but nobody knows where that is, so we'll call it Arnold or Top Valley, depending on who we're talking to. You know, plenty of connection to be found there. Um, parents with embarrassing stories about toddlers definitely find a lot of connection in there. Uh, the Potter family, that's my surname. And uh, 18 months ago or so ago, I started going along to Park Run. And uh, you get to know uh, uh, people there. And we even got a picture of it, actually, of me struggling up a hill. Uh, that's me pushing around my little daughter, Lizzie. And um, what tends to happen is I do it in Bestwood Country Park, which is, is quite hilly. And so as we get to the bottom of what are some very steep hills, Lizzie sees this as her opportunity to comment, Daddy, these hills are really steep, which is just what I want to hear. Uh, she uses it as her cue to kick off some of the classics, like the wheels on the bus, uh, jingle bells, whatever time of year it is. Yesterday, I rocked up at the start line, uh, found that we got a puncture in the front tire, so I uh, sacked that off, went to get my hair cut, and came back to park run for the cafe. What a great way to do park run. We found a new way. People naturally look to connect, don't they? But I wonder if you've ever stopped to consider why that is, or why family is so important. Well, the Bible has something to say, actually, on, on that subject. It says in Genesis chapter one, so right back at the start of the Bible, when it's talking about the creation of the world and mankind, it says this, Genesis one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The one God, who is three persons, but one God, God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, we put our trust in him. Within himself is perfect family community. And we are made like him. We are made in his image. And so every time we feel the need for some sort of relational connection, ultimately, it points to God. We're made by him, we're made for him, but we're made like him. And because of that perfect family relationship within himself, he wants his people to be family too. And he extends a welcome to you into that family. You see, one of the amazing things that Jesus won on the cross is that if we put our trust in him, if you call yourself part of this church family, the Bible says that we are not just like family, we are family. We're not just like family, we are family together. We have a common father in heaven from whom every good and perfect gift comes. We are united by blood, the blood of Jesus shed for us, that he might win a people for himself. And diverse as we are, we come together through him. 
We bear a common name, the name of Christian. We share in a common inheritance. And that's why there's so many references to sisters and brothers and things like that in this passage. It's not just a nice idea. This is a theological reality. Now we can get a little bit kind of pushed that too far, a bit intense about it. We don't need to go around calling one another sister and brother and stop using each other's names. A bit weird. Chill out. You know, we don't need to do that. But this is truth. And this changes the way that we view church. This changes my mindset when I come here on a Sunday. I'm not just gathering with friends, though, though I am. This is family. This changes my mindset about what home group is about, the communities that we have all across the city, 10 people or so meeting in different homes. It's not just gathering with a group of people. It's family. And I'm, I'm having to get used to just saying, I'm sorry, have we met before? I can't remember your name because I know the names of my family. And if we're family together, I want to know as many names as possible, because we're family together. See, this is massive. This is big. And uh, Roger here in the morning, and Rosie over there in the evening is no doubt going to unpack this a little bit more when they speak on biblical community on the 8th of August. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. But the third thing to finish is this. All sorts of people, family together, as the screen says, united by Jesus. You see, he is the one that is most referred to in this passage. He does it all. He unites us. He creates this family. He is the one that gave himself that we might know God and be family together. And you know, I really, really hope this morning that you've got the message that you are so, so welcome to be part of what we do here to hang out with us, to come to the events we do, to join in our community life. In fact, anything that you've perceived that's good about Grace Church, anything about the culture we have here or the programs that we run that you think is positive for Nottingham or for the people who are part of the church, do you know what? It really is all because of Jesus. And we would love to get to know you. We would love to have community with you and friendship with you. We'd love to introduce you to others. But the person that we would most love to introduce you to is Jesus. Because he is utterly transformative. And that's my story. As I came into that church community and thought, there is something different about these people. I got to know them, I hung out with them, I spent some time with them. I realized it was Jesus. And do you know what? That gathering became more than a social gathering. It became more than people just looking out for me, though they did do those things. It became family. And God became my father, and Jesus became my brother, my savior, my closest friend. So come on in. There's a pub lunch trip that happens after this meeting each week. Nation Sunday in a couple of weeks. It's going to be so much fun. You're so welcome to be there. Like young adults barbecue, if you're sort of 18 to 20s or so, come and find one of the members in the Connect t-shirts, the sort of green teal t-shirts with Connect on. They'll tell you all about the events we do. You are so welcome to be at anything that you hear of, you see on the website, whatever. But know that God has made a way 
for you to know him. And in fact, he pursues you. The Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And his arm reaches out to you, an invitation to know him. As you do, you find the fulfillment of your deepest desires and the healing of your deepest hurts. Because in the family of God, you are welcome.